This is Government Gone Digital. I'm Dana Birchman, Chief Digital Officer here in Gilbert, Arizona, and I'm here today with our data and technology analyst, or guru as I like to call him, Derek Konofalski, and we are thrilled to welcome Molly Daniel, Senior Manager for What Works Cities, as our guest today. What Works Cities is a Bloomberg Philanthropies initiative, and so for our listeners, Molly, can you tell us about how What Works Cities came to be? And welcome. We're so happy to have you. Hi. Hi, Dana and Derek. Thanks for having me. Um, It's a pleasure to be here. Um, yeah, so happy to talk about What Works Cities and sort of its nascence and where it started. Um, we were launched in April of 2015 by Bloomberg Philanthropies, and we are, I, I believe, to date, the largest philanthropic effort tackling the idea of, of data and evidence in, in local cities in the U.S. Um, essentially, the the idea, the brainchild from this came from Bloomberg Philanthropies. They were sort of doing a needs assessment across the United States, better understanding, you know, what were cities struggling with? What were they thinking about? Did they want to better use data and evidence? And they quickly understood that the answer to that was yes. Um, But while many cities were often collecting data, typically for, um, you know, even if imperfect and often for, you know, like reporting up for for state and federal purposes, that there was a big gap um, between using that data and operationalizing it to better drive decision making. And so essentially from there, What Works Cities was born, um, where we decided we were going to be that accelerator to help uh, cities in the U.S. better leverage their data to, to drive decision making. Um, but it's also worth noting that while we saw some cities in the U.S., like New York's and L.A.'s and Chicago's, um, were doing this to some extent uh, their resources and capacity was not necessarily reflective of what most cities in the U.S. had at their fingertips. And so we decided to explicitly focus on cities between 100,000 and a million, or what we call mid-sized cities, to help you know, you know, hone on them and, and help them in this sort of journey toward uh, performance and, and get on that performance arc. Um, Beyond that, uh, the other thing that's worth noting is that we're working with 100 cities sort of over the course of three years, and uh, I think that's just a tremendous you know, feat helping get things in the right direction. Yeah, and Gilbert is one of them. We're very excited Amazing. to be a part of the program. And so where did you start? Where did you guys start in identifying who these 100 cities would be? Um, and and well, tell us a little bit about what that process is like of choosing those cities. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And first of all, we're so excited that Gilbert's one of our cities. Um, you guys are just rock stars. Um, but getting back to the beginning, uh, gosh, mm-hmm. it, thank you. It was so mm-hmm. long ago at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so we the, the way it works essentially is that to become a What Works Cities, uh, you have to submit what we call a statement of interest. Um, and so that's effectively your know, city raising their hand and saying, hey, we're interested in this and we're interested to learn a little bit more about What Works Cities and to enter into your process. Um, we have a little bit of a lengthy what we call discovery process where we go on site, we'll visit, um, we'll do a workshop with cities and we try to incorporate, you know, folks from across all departments sort of at many different levels to to get a deeper sense of what their state of practice is. Um, And so going back to the original, um, it was, it all came out of groups of cities that raised their hands and submitted that statement of interest and say, Hey, we're interested in this. Um, And so we were able to do, you know, dive into things quite quickly. I think 
the first round of applications we received well went over about a hundred um, applications. So we were hitting the ground running um, quickly. And so from there, we're able to sort of, uh, you know, divide up the, the cities and, and uh, dive in across the next many months. And, and many of that led to technical assistance and many of them are very much still in the fold and active in um, the community to date. And some applied multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> yes, some did. <laughs> yes. Guilty. <laughs> so let's talk about yeah. the types of projects that you're working with these various cities on. Um, you know, what, what those projects look like. I know we're specifically working on the creation of an open data policy and portal, which is really exciting. Um, but I know you're doing a variety of things in these cities. So tell us a little bit about what those projects look like and how you choose specifically those projects for each city. Yeah, sure. Um, so let me back up and, and maybe it might be useful just to go through the different partners. Um, so What Work Cities is comprised of five different partner organizations and each with their own area of expertise. Um, and so the different projects that we land on for a city tends to align with those partners and, and where we think we can add most value. And it's also worth noting, just because I'm actually very proud of this, and um, it's sort of a philosophy we incorporate into all of our work, is that we we will work with the city sort of regardless of where it is in its state of practice. You know, a city could be working um, to, you know, leverage data and evidence for quite some time, um, and they could be very new at this. And so we think about, you know, how can we add value across that spectrum? And so that being said, so the five partner organizations, one is Results for America. That's that's where I hail from. Um, and we sort of are the lack of a better term, like the, the quarterbacks of the operation, the portfolio managers. And we also roll out technical assistance for a line of work called Repurpose for Results. Um, this is essentially uh, for cities that are seeing programs that are either um, underperforming or not performing, how can they turn off those programs and shift funding toward uh, programs that are working and that are substantiated by the data. Um, and then that can also include sort of the communications element, ensuring that the community's on board with any kind of shifts that happen, but that's repurposed for results in a nutshell. Um, the second partner that we have is called the Behavioral Insights Team, and they focus on low-cost evaluation uh, or nudge theory or, or tweaking. Um, so uh, for, for those who are unfamiliar, the, the concept is if you're a city and you're thinking about evaluation and instead of engaging in a, a costlier or time-consuming randomized control trial, which can take you know upwards of five years and more and cost lots of money, um, you can think about a particular program and identify within that a pain point. Um, and often that pain point can be a communications one. And you can think about leveraging A-B testing around that and see, well, how can we better communicate with X or Y stakeholder? And how can we think about the platform that we're using and actually the, the messaging that we're using beyond that? Um, so it's it's pretty remarkable, the, the work around that. Um, uh, and so um, the next thing that I would say is the Government Performance Lab out of the Harvard Kennedy School. They focus on results-driven contracting work. Um, and so thinking about the contracts or grants or procurements or services that cities don't provide themselves, but contract out to vendors or nonprofits. And uh, how do you ensure that they're outcome-oriented and sort of oriented toward performance? Um, and that's a, a pretty big jump for a lot of cities, um, and they're they're working toward toward helping uh, shift the mindset around it. Contracting not being so much a back office function, but one that can add strategic value. 
um, the, the next two partners tend to work with the majority of cities. The one is the, um, the Center for Government Excellence out of Johns Hopkins University. Uh, they focus on sort of data analytics, performance management, uh, data management, sort of data governance type work. Um, so a lot of like the backbone that you would need to help drive and power performance um, and any kind of like data and evidence-based practice in your city. So they have a remarkable sort of breadth of expertise around that. Um, and then the, the Sunlight Foundation, um, they work on uh, open data policy work. So how can you ensure that you're codifying practice with an eye towards sustainability of practice where, you know, you're turning on um, uh, the, the lever that allows residents to have better access and understanding for the data you're collecting and how they can use it um, for themselves. So that's in a nutshell. It's a lot to, yeah. to go over and I went quite quickly, but I'm happy to sort of unpack that a little bit. No, but it's nice to see how all those pieces fit together. And I think for our listeners to hear and kind of understand, you know, all the different elements of, of the program and how this came to be and um, we're working right now with the Sunlight Foundation on the creation of our policy, and that was really our starting point. And then we'll phase into the next piece, which will be creating the actual open data portal, the implementation of it. So we're really excited about this. Um, tell me a little bit about your background and how you came to this area of work. Oh, yeah. So I have a little bit of a non-traditional background, um, I think, in the government innovation space. Uh, I first started... Uh, sort of analyzing federal budget transparency work. Mm. So um, looking, it was an organization called the National Priorities Project, where effectively they would sort of break down uh, the federal budget and to the municipality level, and you could see where your tax dollars were going um, and what the trade-offs were. It was really interesting work. Um, and that's sort of where I got my first taste of, of uh, government um, uh, type work. And I really fell in love from there, but switched a little bit and started doing um, international labor standards auditing. Um, and so that was focused Ooh. primarily. On, yeah, I know. Really sexy. Um, but it was it was work looking at Thailand and Malaysia, their oh, wow. shrimp and anchovy fishing area. So yeah, so like totally did a little bit of a shift um, and then came back um, and worked for the um, New York City Department of Education, um, focused on sort of their uh, career and technical education programs that they had and helping to think about um, sort of coming, overcoming the stigma that a lot of folks have around those kinds of tracks mm -hmm. and, and identifying that they're actually, you know, very rigorous and um, can help outline a, a, a wonderful future. So that's uh, in a nutshell, sort of the, the highlights, it sort of goes all around, but um, that, those are sort of the big ones for me. I'm really curious just because like listening, you talk, about just what work cities and kind of the the work that you're doing around transparency and, and policies and stuff like that. Do you find that that you get a lot of resistance from people or organizations? Because obviously, any city that is involved with what work cities applied for it and chose to be a part mm -hmm. of the process. But I still have to imagine that there has to be resistance 
to some of the ideas with it. And here, like listening to you talk, I can't imagine like what that resistance could be almost because in hindsight, it almost seems like everything that What Work Cities is about in making, you know, government data and information and transparency and all that um, just more accessible to people and providing data and evidence for people to make decisions. Like how could anybody think that that is not a worthwhile endeavor? Yeah, no, yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, and I would say, so we've visited well over a hundred cities and I wouldn't say that we've ever come across, uh, folks saying, wow, the idea of using data and evidence makes no sense to me and we don't want to do it. Um, because there's something very commonsensical about it. Um, but what tends to be the, 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 the broader point of resistance is, you know, my city is in a hiring freeze and I'm already, uh, you know, essentially wearing three hats or I'm constantly putting out fires and I cannot devote any time or energy into building these systems to support sort of a broader understanding of how to use data and evidence. And so while, you know, in theory, this sounds great, you know, I just have no capacity to do this. So I think that's one thing that comes up again and again. Um, something else we hear again is this idea of I don't want to be in a position where there's like a gotcha moment where people are, are grilling or, or I'm being put on this, the stand, which I think is a little bit of a misnomer around what performance is. I mean, there's so many ways that we try to support performance sort of uh, methodologies in, in city government, but it, I think it's too often synonymous with the sense of, of, of gotcha. And that's not quite right. I think in, in fact, we try to sort of shift it toward just developing a culture of inquiry. Um, and that's sort of the, the, the most important way to, you know, support a city in this kind of work. So, yeah, I think those are the two points that we see again and again. And, or, or actually there's another one, which is we've seen, um, you know, as a city, uh, civil servant, you know, I've seen, all these different, you know, management styles, and this just feels like another flavor of the week. And we're, I'm going to, you know, outlast this. And I've, you know, weathered the storm before, so I don't see a need to really buy in now because I don't really see the the ROI for for changing how I've done things for the last twenty years. So along those same lines, just kind of circling back to the the types of projects that you guys help with at What Work Cities, what do you find are like the most effective? projects or um, pushes that What Work Cities helps with that kind of help change those mindsets? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I would say that they're all sort of geared toward this. Um, they all require levels of culture change. They all require, you know, shaking things up from, from the rote practice that a lot of folks are, are used to engaging in. Um, and so, you know, whether it's results-driven contracting work or, or low-cost evaluation or even sort of the, the broad strokes with performance management, data management work, um, it all, they all require like a, a guiding change. And I think one of the great values that What Work Cities can bring, um, and we, we tell this to our city champions and, and folks leading projects all the time, is that we can be external validators where they may be, you know, you know, trumpeting this, um, you know, uh, day and night and, and not getting much response. Um, but when you have, you know, folks like us come in who I think have a, a level of credibility and expertise, we can say, no, actually, this is really important work and we are fully behind it. And I think it's worthwhile engaging in this. Um, I think also for us, we, we think it's very important to to have sort of like a, a dual pronged approach when thinking about culture change, there is 
the importance of city leadership. That is just like undeniable. You need to have a city manager or a town manager in, in Gilbert's case or a mayor come in and say, this is important and I need folks to get on board. Um, but then you also need to have buy-in from folks who are actually doing the work. Um, so you don't, you know, put in sort of perverse incentives and, and people see how this is uh, not only going to make their, their, their jobs easier in some instances, but also um, better tie them to the, to the mission and values of, of the organization and what they're, they're working toward. Yeah, that always amazes me because Dana and I have talked on the podcast a few times. You know, we are obviously, and I know we've talked with you about this and people who've listened to the podcast before have probably heard us say this multiple times, but we're a very lean organization. So we often get comments from people that, you know, oh, I don't have the resources or, or I, I might have a difficult time implementing some of this stuff because I just don't have the manpower. But this is exactly mm-hmm. why the program, I think, could benefit them. Because when you have the evidence and the data behind it to say that you are understaffed or you need the additional resources, like what a, what a great way to show that, hey, this is, this is all the information I have, if you know, unless you can interpret it a different way, it shows empirically that I need additional resources. Well, and it goes back to that idea. I always talk about fear, you know, in, in my, this is my first government job. I've worked, you know, in, in the private sector most of my career. And so that was always surprising to me was the fear of actually revealing problems um, that they might exist and what that would look like or how that would reflect on their departments or the organization. And so instead of, like you said earlier, shifting mindset, which I talk about all the time of looking at, as Derek Mm -hmm. said, here now we have the data that shows these problems exist and here's what we can do to fix it or I need these resources to fix it. But unfortunately, that's not the way that um, many government organizations have often dealt with problems. So it is really this culture change that's going deep. And, and you're right, I, I tell our manager, Patrick Banger, all the time, it's great when we're out here, you know, telling people, here's another project that you're going to be working on. I said, but, you know, they need to hear from you and understand what the vision is of why this is so important. And it's, yeah. it's takes some time, I think, to change those mindsets. And, and I, we had a meeting recently on our creation of the open data policy and someone responded, well, this is 180 degree turn from everything we've always been told. And I thought that was mm-hmm. a really defining moment. And, and our manager's response back was, okay. you know, all right, Mm -hmm. well, let's, you know, take that 180 degree turn. And, and I think that that, again, doesn't happen overnight, but getting involved in programs like these, one of the things I thought was really interesting was going to, you guys recently held a summit, which I believe is an annual event. And it was just Mm -hmm. really powerful to be surrounded by 350 other people from cities that held various roles. Again, these were not um, people that were all in IT or in communications. I mean, you had, individuals from all corners of every organization and they were all experiencing the same problems like we talked about and to be in a room like that and have these commonalities I thought it was a really wonderful inspirational event so talk to me about why you guys plan this um, this summit because it really was a great two days I thought. Oh, yeah. I, I find it enormously energizing. Um, so it's about a two and a half day summit. Um, we get folks from all over the country, from all of our cities to, to fly to New York and um, sort of be on the ground and, and, and meet each other. I, I think, first of all, that face to face is just um, 
you can't you can't get those kind of connections otherwise, and uh, it's it's irreplaceable. Um, and I think a big part of our work, sort of, if you break out what work cities into different verticals, one is obviously the technical assistance work that we do, but the other big piece that we care very deeply about is developing this community of of peer practitioners. Um, I think you know we we hear time and time again, you know, it's being able to connect directly with folks who are also engaged in this work. And Dana, like you said, those titles, those responsibilities can change from city to city, but there's still more and increasingly so folks who are devoted to sort of helping shepherd in these new processes and getting them all in a room so they can see what's worked, what hasn't worked, um, what kind of lessons can be shared, you know, around a lot of these intangible pieces. Like I think What Work Cities is great at providing a sense of like the, the tactical framework, um, but, you know, for like the culture change piece or the sustainability of practice piece, I mean, I think that really requires all of us to come together and, and sort of put our minds around this. And and in, as, as there are in innovations and ideas, whether they're small or large, that, you know, you all have access to each other um, and that you may find commonalities in Gilbert with, you know, folks from Cambridge, Massachusetts, or, you know, in Anchorage, Alaska, in ways that you never would have thought. But in fact, there's um, a lot of shared learning to be done. Um, and quite honestly, you know, we want to make sure that you don't have to reinvent the wheel the whole time because there's most likely going to be something that you can pull and sort of routinize in Gilbert that someone else has done and, and then vice versa. I think a lot of folks would benefit from the good work that you guys are doing. So opening up those sort of opening up the levees, you know, making sure that you all have access to each other. There's just I think that's so critical in the summit. Um, I guess getting back to your original question is is one of the most valuable ways to really jumpstart that. Um, you know, you're in a room uh, almost all day, you know, in breakout sessions, hearing from folks, seeing, you know, lightning fire um, presentations and just inundated with ideas. Um, and I find it very inspiring. And, and I, I hope you guys do too. And, and I, I've heard good things about it yeah. you know, from other city people but yeah it's, it's a pretty incredible experience yeah i I'm, i was a huge fan of the summit not just in just in general i think i'm as a as a technology geek or guru as dana calls me all the time <laughs> um my favorite thing about what works cities from a technology standpoint is i like the fact of, of, of how many like avenues there are for communication but it's not just like okay here's all these avenues go like they're, they're very purposeful and they're very thought out mm -hmm. so like I love um, you guys have a slack channel for those listeners that are not familiar slack is basically a chat program where you can set up channels of people you know that that those people can communicate with each other and so um, it was it was kind of cool just even talking with some people on Slack and then seeing them at the summit and making those connections. And then when we got back and actually started our engagement, you know, you guys have like Google Drive set up with documents for each city. So anything that you've done with another city, like we can kind of go in there and take a look at your best practices. And just there's so many different ways that you guys are utilizing that technology to, to make all this information accessible. But it, again, it's, it's really organized. And I just I really like the way that you guys have connected everything together and I think that the summit was a big piece in connecting that my my biggest gains or learns from the summit were those those connections talking to people even I hadn't even really talked to people in our region in in Arizona mm -hmm. about the work that they had done with you guys and so seeing their faces and kind of making those connections Dana and I always talk about connecting the dots and connecting the different pieces together so um, I think all just kind of holistically, that whole system is great. And the summit was like the, the icing on the cake.
Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, and I, I think as much as we can develop different avenues to help, you know, broaden access to, to other, you know, civil servants that are doing this work and sort of leading the charge. And, you know, like you said, Derek, you know, connect your Gilbert with, with the cities that are in your region. I mean, you've got a lot of incredible talent and, and thought and, and, and work going on, um, you know, just, just in the, that area. But I, I, I think it's honestly one of my favorite parts of this because coming out of the summit, I was quickly hearing, you know, these like light bulbs going off in, in different areas where um, there is a, a, a program in Hartford, Connecticut around youth services. It's called Youth Service Corps. Um, and then I heard from a, a city all the way across the country in California saying, I want to pull that and I want to replicate it and obviously give our own spin. But you're seeing these like shared practices and sort of the replication of practice coming out. And I, I, I love that, all of it. Yeah. Can you talk to us too? You guys made an exciting announcement at the um, summit about a new certification program. Can you talk to us a little bit about that too? What's next for What Works Cities? Yeah, absolutely. So that was one of the big exciting moments for us. Um, Mayor Bloomberg announced uh, What Works Cities certification, which is really we're going to be doubling down our efforts on in the future. Um, it's essentially uh, a, a program uh, designed to reward achievement and, and, and excellence sort of in the space of, of using data and evidence in, in city government. Um, and so there will be that component, but I think there's a lot of really interesting other pieces to it for any city that applies. And I'll just back up before I dive into that and say one of the key differences between certification and what work cities as it currently exists is that certification is open to any city above 30,000. Um, in the United States. So any city that's above a million, which otherwise would have been um, disqualified in any city that's below 100,000, which would have been disqualified before. So it's a it's much broader reach um, for, for any city to think about it. And, you know, it's to help the certification, I think, in my mind, anyway, it's 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 a sort of a, a badge where a certified city is is one where residents can confidently know that its government is is making focused efforts around dollars, ensuring that they're well spent. It's ensuring that a city has sort of the twenty first you know century tools for problem solving. Ensuring that leadership is making decisions based on on facts and not you know gut instinct or special interests. I think that's really what's at the of certification. And so any city that engages in that this program, the What Work City Certification Program, can sort of unlock a, a, uh, unlock a detailed roadmap. So you can, you can get a, a very clear sense um, at a very granular tactical level where your city uh, is on, on its current practice and how that aligns with the certification indicators. Um, and if you want to check out the indicators, they're all on the What Work Cities website too. So um, I encourage folks to look that up. Um, it, it provides, I think, also a really tangible kind of support um, so that I think we hear time and time again, folks say, well, I don't really know what it means to leverage data and evidence. That feels very amorphous. And um, I, I'd love to break that down. And so certification is a, a very clear way to help sort of accelerate that work. Um, and then you can sort of join the, the broader national movement of city halls across the United States hoping to sort of move their their efforts along this this arc so is um, is your plan this is more for curiosity for me uh is your plan to kind of reach out to cities you know above 30,000 and that or, or you know the cities that contact you about certification and then if 
I guess they don't pass certification, then maybe, you know, pair them up with a city that's already doing this stuff and get them kind of in that that network or or kind of what's the plan there? We wouldn't necessarily pair them up with another city, but we would give them sort of essentially would be a very detailed like action plan um, for where they where they excelled, where they were doing quite well and where there are opportunities for growth. Um, And then we have a whole wealth of resources that is open to anyone. Um, So you can look at all the different partner websites that I enumerated at the beginning of this, or you can look at the What Work Cities website broadly, which captures all of that into like a central repository, and you can hopefully start or, you know, pulling the, the, the work along um, in a very clear sense of what that future looks like. Awesome. It sounds amazing. We're really excited to learn more. And thank you so much, Molly, for joining us. And you mentioned your website, um, What Work Cities. So if you'd like to learn more and you're listening, please visit their website at whatworkcities.bloomberg.org. It was a pleasure, Molly, chatting with you. Yeah, likewise. I'm, I'm so glad I got to speak with you both today. Thank you. Yes, we have just been so impressed with the program. Like I said, the summit really was quite amazing. I, my boss, the town manager said, I wish everyone could come and experience something like that. And I couldn't agree more. I think it was really, as you said, inspirational to be surrounded by other, other visionaries and people who are looking to make this kind of change and culture change in government in general. So um, if you are listening, I would highly recommend learning more about what work cities and many of the other organizations that they work with. Yeah. It's incredibly optimistic. Mm -hmm. That was my biggest takeaway. Yeah. I I completely agree. Great. Well, thanks again, Molly, for joining us and to our listeners. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to engage with us on social media. If you have questions or comments for us, use the hashtag GovGoneDigital. We'll see you soon from Gilbert, Arizona on Government Gone Digital. Mm -hmm.